Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Timber Living Log Cabins. For your perfect workspace, living space or hideaway, timberliving.ie. Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1. Brent Pope, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good to see you. Good to see you, Brent. And we're going to talk about your new initiative, The Elephant in the Room. Can I ask first, how are you? Yeah, it's been a tough couple of years, uh, to be honest. And I mean, it's, it's probably brought me into the into the conversation, uh, especially around my mental health. Yeah, it hasn't been easy for me uh, the last couple of years or, you know, maybe the last, you know, two and a half years or whatever now. So, yeah, some, some, some troubled waters. Yeah. Um, and really... I suppose, in a sense, it's uh, still very difficult to talk about, you know, because I have a, 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 a mental illness at the end of the day, and it's something that can't be seen for a lot of people, and that's the difficulty, because people tell me all the time that we've got to a place of more understanding or more normalisation around mental health, and I don't know if that's true. I don't know that uh, we are having the correct conversations or we're opening up so that people can be not have to suffer from judgment and all those things and shame and guilt. I've felt that all my life, unfortunately, around my mental health, you know, feeling weaker as a man, you know, being told to man up, front up, you know, all these sorts of things Mm. over my life, being involved in a macho sport and from a macho, I suppose, part of society. I come from a small rural country town, you know, a farming town. I was involved in rugby in those days. It was seen as being weak if you had a, a vulnerability in mental health. And I knew I had mental health problems since I was about 15, you know. So I've had a life of having to deal with it, you know. But um, it just become very, very difficult a couple of years ago. And I was in kind of, I'm not saying I was in uncharted waters, but I was in a way that I just knew I needed help. And that's when I just had to reach out and, and ask for it. And that's why I'm here today. I'm just saying to people out there that are in, in that place, you know, have the bravery or the courage to make that phone call mm. uh, to get the help because there is help out there. It's just, you know, reaching out for it and, and not feeling judged as I have. But, um, so I think I think probably particularly, like, I look, I think we have got a bit better at talking about a certain kind of mental health, yeah. right? Uh, absolutely. But, and you've been fantastic at breaking down that stigma, yeah. you and, and other people. You've been a fantastic advocate for men uh, yeah. especially. But then last year... <clears throat> you ended up in a psychiatric hospital. And I think yeah, that's something... A couple something, of years ago. A couple yeah, of years yeah. ago. That's something yeah. slightly different to talk about, isn't yeah, it? You're into yeah. different territory there. Yes, you're into different territory because you're into the kind of... The, the, <laughs> I'm going to say, you're into the, into the severe judgment. And what I just want to say, it, it shouldn't be feared. I always fear... Because my visions of... My visions of reaching out for that help, apart from, you know... I know all the things. I've, I've gone back and studied as a psychotherapist. I know what works for me. Mm. And, you know, I know what works for me. And if it's journaling, if it's mindfulness, if it's all these things that I look at, I'm, I'm pretty good at looking after my health. But when I got into a situation where I thought, this isn't working anymore for me, I knew enough to say, look, I've got to get professional help here. I've got to book myself into a psychiatric ward or whatever, That if that's what it takes. How did you know that it wasn't working? Just because anymore? I was in a bit of a spiral and it was it was getting worse. You know, like, I mean, I talked to people around the country, as you know, about depression and dealing with anxiety and stuff like this. And, you know, people shouldn't rush off for help necessarily if it's a, a, a just a kind of an acute thing that, you know, after the breakup of a relationship, we all go through that. But when you've had kind of depression for 
I suppose, a number of dark days or a number of dark weeks and you're not getting out of it, then you've really got to reach out for help. Tell me about standing in front of the mirror. I just, it's its something that I've learned since uh, that I think it's a depersonalization or something. I just found myself one night, it, it was the most airy feeling. I just found myself looking into the sort of mirror, not, not in an egotistical way, mm-hmm. I'd have to say, looking into the mirror and just kind of feeling like I was looking at someone else. And I checked my watch and I'd been standing in front of the mirror for about three hours. And I just felt I was going, I just felt I was losing it, really. I, I, you know, that was the feeling. That, okay, you, know, you were losing touch of reality. Like yes. Yeah. I, I, okay. I, I was just, I, I remember going to the tenants of my house and, and I relied on a lot of friends and I just have a shout out to my friends at that stage were, were crucial to me and they helped me pack up my gear and stuff to go into into hospital or something like that. So they were so supportive and um, very emotional to say that, you know, I was lucky enough to have friends that really cared about me at that mm. stage. But I remember saying to my to the tenants in the house, I remember questioning one of the girls. I said, am I going mad? Like, am I going, have you seen strange behaviours for me or something? Because that is also a signal uh, that you may be, I suppose, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a darker situation, I'd have to say like that. So that's when I knew that I wasn't going to get out of this probably without help. Um, and, yeah, and you think making that call saved your life really, do you? Yeah, I do in a certain way. I, I, I you know, I don't want to trigger anybody here on on, on those sorts of, yeah. of of thought patterns, but uh, because there's a danger in that, because we don't talk about triggers, because anything can trigger somebody. I just need people to know that, you know, it's not so alien for people to go down that route, especially men, pretty quickly. Okay. And for men to, to, to even when I was working as a as a as a counselor for a while, the number of men that were coming to you in particular and say, Look, you know, life isn't worth living for me or something like that and you'd say, But you have all these things in your life. So everybody on the outside can look and say Brent Pope's life is pretty good. You know, but I mean when you get into that when you get into that sort of darker place or something with mental mental health or mental health illnesses, you really need help and you need help out of it. And to say to people there is recovery out there and there's a hundred percent recovery, you've just got to ask for help because the alternative doesn't bear thinking about. Um, you see, this is probably my own prejudices, right? Mm. But I always imagine but I think a lot of people possibly mm. have this prejudice. That if you if I got to the point of having to go to a psych ward, it's a very very frightening thought. It's, it's crossing a it Rubicon is. there, isn't it? Is. it? Absolutely, you, you probably felt absolutely, the same. yeah. You know, yes, because that is where the ultimate judgment come. Because when I went into that psychiatric ward, I felt I was a failure. I felt that you know I'd hit an all time low, yeah. and that I I I I was I had an inability at that stage to help myself and that was a danger I knew that the one thing I did know that saved my life probably in that sense and I don't want to be dramatic but it it, it, it it possibly did was that I knew that I needed help and that's the difference because we can all talk about look we all know these people that go into rehab or, or, or what are that that you hear about all these stars going in for rehab for six months to, to overcome addiction problems we get that but my fear is that when people get so low with mental illness then for some for some it's a really dark pattern thought process at that stage so I knew Professor Jim Lucy I've worked with him um, for a number of years on mental health you know talking out there in the community as I do and I continue to do um, 
and it's not about judgment, but it was very hard for me to go in. It was yeah. very hard to admit. I presume there's part of you thinking as well, I don't really belong here. I'm Absolutely. not like these people. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, there is. And, you know, you go into a room and I, di- I, I just didn't feel I could go down to the sort of communal room. I didn't feel that I just sat in the room by myself and I kind of think I thought because everybody would know me and people would get on their phone and say, you know, that was the paranoia that, you know, you, you won't guess who's in here with us. It's yeah. the rugby guy. It's Brent Pope. And I felt a failure. Man, I felt a failure. I just that thought that, you know, I can handle physical illness. I, I've handled that all my life, you know, breaks and, and rugby and all those things. But when it was something to do with my mental health, I could never draw the thread between being physically fit and mentally fit because I thought that both of them should work together. But yeah. they don't sometimes, you know. And I mean, I learned that in, in my rugby playing career that I could be physically fit. I could be one of the fittest rugby players in, in New Zealand, but I wasn't mentally fit. But going into the psychiatric ward, um, yes, was just another sign of failure. And, and people say, oh, it's courageous and it's a brave. And that's not the way you feel. You, you yeah. just feel desperation in a sense that but the one thing that I'd have to say here it's not about woe about is me it's about the fact that that get over yourself make that call make that call please if anybody and and, and how was it in there because you kind of I think a lot of people would have the impression as well that there isn't a lot they can do for you when you get to that point but they they are able to treat people absolutely take them back from the edge that's a really good point I, I I think it's the first step, Brenda. You know, that's what I'd say. The first step is being, you know, I've had to say to some of my friends along this journey that, you know, sometimes friends always say, oh, what, what do I do? And I say, just keep me keep me safe. Give me a safe place to go, you know. And that was what the first thing for me struck me is, is I've made that step. And now I'm, you know, somebody somebody is going to help me because I felt with, with, without help. You know, so that was the first step. I'm not saying that it's the all-encompassing treatment options that you're going to go in there on a Friday and you come come out on a Sunday and everything is going to be, you know, rosy again. It, it's not, but but you've made that first step, and it's it's like the first step of an alcoholic saying, "I'm going to the 12-step program." It's something you've made that first initial step that leads to recovery, and that's the hardest thing for people to do to make that first step. And you're right; it was yeah. a hard call to make because I didn't I think probably when when Prof Lucy took the call he probably thought oh well you know Brent's just ring up about something else and he just said look he said if you're ready to if you're ready to come in he said I think I think we should bring you in so I packed up my gear with my friends or something on a on a on a Friday or something and I went in and it was a it was a really scary journey in but once I was in in I suppose I felt a bit of comfort that Something was being done, you know. Yeah, um, and you're also admitting, yeah, like you're a big strong guy. Yeah. You've managed this with your yeah. strategies yeah, all your yeah, life and yeah, everything. Yeah, you're now saying, yeah, actually, I'm powerless here. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I just, you know, and that doesn't take away from most people out there won't have to make those steps. But yeah, there's some people that need to, and they need to identify that perhaps 
that is the next step for them. Now, that's also fraught with, with problems in the mental health services, as we know, or something yeah. like people getting doors closed to them, but you've just got to keep knocking. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and you've got to keep trying and you've got to keep going at other routes. Wasn't the first person I talked to. I'd been down, uh, you know, I have, I have very good counsellors that I've worked with over the years to go and chat. I journal and I, 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 I I don't want to look back on those journals, you know. It, it, the, the ones from no, as you approach that I, time. I, I, yeah. I, I'm still not ready to look back at those journals and just say, you know, because the journaling was about, you know, look, Brent, you, 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 need, you need help, you know, and especially after that kind of looking into the mirror and, and, and other things, I just felt that, uh, man, I just haven't, I haven't got control over this anymore and I, 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 need, I need help to get out of it, so. Okay. No, no. Listen, um, I think you're doing a, a yeah. really, Can I just say that you're, the, the you're doing a very the... useful thing here, yeah. which is like that, you know, we're all great at, oh, you know, a touch of this and a touch yeah. of that. And I, I need to manage myself and I need but to I do, need do my to, mindfulness. Uh, this is com- this is a completely different level yeah. that is uh, unspoken. There is stigma. And, yeah. and, and I think it's great you're doing this. Listen, you know, on the strategies and yeah. living your life in a certain way and everything, and I think we all do it to some extent. Like, does it become a tyranny too? Like, has this defined your life that you have to kind of have a very regimented life and be really careful no. and limited and all that? Kind no, of no. Thing? You know, that's the other kind of, I suppose, the misnomer about. Yeah. You see, we can see we can, any other illness. What I want people to do, except like you go to a doctor with, with, with COVID or you, if you break your leg, you go off to a doctor and you know what to do. The fact is, with mental health, it's it's an illness that can't be seen. So it's very hard to garner support and sympathy when people don't understand. And that's what I'm trying to bring. I'm not trying to bring all the all the suppose the. I'm just trying to bring a greater understanding in mental health. What so that you can see the symptoms around your own family or work colleagues or whatever, and say, hey, look, you can go to. The, why is it so hard to think that I can't go to you as a man in particular and say? Hey, you know, I've just noticed you've been acting a bit different over the last month, and you know, is everything okay? And and yeah. for you to say, well, not really. I've been feeling a bit down or a bit down in the dumps or something like, that, and say, look, let's go and get help together or something that I'll I'll love and can care and support you. That's all we want, and it's just a greater understanding. I don't believe in the word destigmatization anymore. I thought, haven't we come further than that? Yeah. Haven't we come to a situation where it just needs to be better understood? Uh, that is not understood and for people not to say oh you'll be grand because for some of us it just takes more work than the next person but I'm not a you know as you know you've known me for years yeah. and, and you know and I'm not an unhappy person no, to be like, around no this is the thing like obviously I've, met, I've met you out a lot yeah. down the years and everything you're like a social crack, good, good crack kind good, of guy all that, that. But, like yeah, yeah. That's, that's the often mistaken face of, of mental yes. health and I call it the kind of you know that the happy barman syndrome we all went into bars in our life when we saw the guy that was there pulling the pints and he's happy with everybody well he may not be having such a happy life behind the scene we don't know what's going on between behind people's eyes every day and we don't know and I just I want this greater awareness to say that everybody goes through troubled waters with their mental health at some stage. Everybody, including yourself. We can all talk to everybody and they've been through ups and downs, especially over COVID. Yeah. I mean, the number of calls to the Samaritans and these hotlines increased by about 600% because suddenly some people were forced to work at home and they didn't like it. Some people missed the work environment. Other people, you know, didn't have to go into work and be bullied. Everybody has problems. It's just that they need to be managed and men in particular. 
Yeah, no, with men, right? Do you think in a way it's easy for the likes of you and me to sit here having this conversation? Yeah. We're in a relatively privileged yeah. environment. Uh, we're not going to be stigmatised or lose our jobs or yeah. whatever. Uh, I presume you, I know you're working, for example, with a lot of guys, you talk to yeah. a lot of guys in construction yeah. at the yeah. moment. And look, not in any way saying that the guys in construction aren't as well educated no. or privileged as us, no. but I presume it's a different scene there, Absolutely is it, in terms scene. of... Absolutely yeah. different scene. Six or seven times more likely to really? take your own life if you work in construction. Six or seven times. And what's the... Sp <laughs> when I address these strong men uh, in that industry and in the guards and prison officers, all those kind of, I suppose, those traditionally male roles, I'm not saying that they're occupied, you know, uh, both sexes now, obviously, but... When they ask me why, I say because it's easy to see. It, it It's like the world I grew up in. It's, you know, if you're working in construction, you're in a, a macho environment, you're working with tools that could take your life, you're quite often working away from home, so you're away from your family with contracts. Suddenly you get into having a few pints every night with the younger guys on the site. Suddenly you've got to get up a ladder and your back is at you, so you're on painkillers. So all these things come into play in, in an industry like that. And yet... And yet we're still getting, we're only scraping the surface of, of education around mental health in those dominated areas. And here's a fact for you. Women suffer more issues with anxiety and depression than men do, but yet men take their own lives in far greater numbers than women. Why is that? Because men are still stuck in this kind of what it is to be a man. You know, what it is to be a man is not to be vulnerable, is not to open up to your friends about problem areas, but no put it under the carpet and hope that it doesn't come back for, for, for another day. And I, I warn people, and when I'm out there talking, it's not, it's not something I, 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 I take literally. And, and it's, it's powerful to the extent that I say to everybody in that room, it's coming. And they say, what's coming? I said, it's coming to everybody in their lives where they're going to be put to the test to look after their mental health. And better to know how you do it now than when it yeah. hits. Because yeah. you don't know what's going to happen in your own life this afternoon. You don't know that you're going to have to come back and suffer loss or a catastrophe or something like that. Suddenly, you could be in a place like I was and you don't know what to do about it. And that's what scares me. I knew what to do about it. Yeah. What about those other people? You see, that sometimes I think people that get hit earlier in life with, with the wobble yeah. are possibly better off Absolutely. in the long run. Absolutely, you, you, you because get those they know tools what then. to do and yeah. they know to yeah. reach out. For. I knew that. And that's when I said what saved my life in that sense was what saved my life was I knew the stages that weren't working anymore. I knew journaling, as much as I journaled anymore, that wasn't going to work. I knew going and seeing another counsellor, as good as they were at that level, wasn't going to work. I knew that the next step had to be, look, I've got to be brave enough now to admit myself for extra help. And that's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to tell people out there that are listening, one person, or they know somebody like that, that needs the help, please plead with them to say, look, just make that call or go and see somebody and start the recovery process. Okay, and listen, I think people are hearing you. Uh, Brendan, listening to Brent today, I feel as a public icon, he's doing so much to speak out on mental illness, so caring and full of empathy for his uh, fellow being. Brent is such a brave man to come on air about this. Mental health affects half the families in Ireland. Well done. Some years ago, Brent presented the Gashka President's Award. This is from John T. Murphy, former director of Gashka, to teenagers 
In the Kilmore Hotel, County Cavan, he was inspirational, open, honest, highly motivational. He brought the house down after oh, his address. Yeah. I've never forgotten it. Thank you, Brent, for all you've done and continue to do. Oh, what a beautiful man Brent Pope is, truly inspirational. Uh, and that's from Ken in Cork. Uh, oh, thank you, Ken. Orla, this is such a help, Brent's talk. Also a very important point, when people come out the other side of challenges like depression, anxiety, I firmly believe they have a huge amount more to offer yeah. to society. Huge lessons in empathy, understanding and what life is really about. Oh, well, wonderful. It's, it's, it's very, so true, isn't it's it? It's very emotional. It nearly brings me to tears. Uh, to be honest, it, it does. Because the way I look at it when is, look, it's not easy for me and it's not easy for anybody else to... to but, I mean, it's got to be what I do because it, it's been a life. Anything that I do on TV or anything that I do on the rugby field, I have done pales and comparisons of putting myself in an uncomfortable spot weekly or daily to talk to other people and say, please don't have the same route that I did for so long that I was misunderstood, for so long I couldn't get the help. I talk about years when I was growing up, I couldn't get the help. There was nobody to give me help. There is help out there now. And okay. just to go, that's why I brought up this project, Elephant. Yeah, room. sorry, we were supposed to talk about yeah, the Yeah, no, no, just, just quickly, just, tell us before uh, you know, just a quick shout yeah. out to, to, to Core Market and Fidelity and this one have allowed me to do this project. This is about a project about starting the domino effect that that I want one of these elephants represented somewhere in all rooms over the next few years as a show of support about that their organisation is willing to have the conversations around the elephant in the room. So it'll be a literal, a statue of it's an a, elephant. It's a four foot high, wonderful them. elephant uh, that's being painted by artists. We can get them done in your brand colours, whatever. Then. But more importantly, it just it comes with a plaque saying that RT or whatever is committed to talking about elephant in the room conversation that elephant in the room can be anything from mental health to uh, i suppose sexuality issues to bullying to racism anything wow. whatever is your okay, elephant cool. in the room and it's a statement of intent in a statement of intent to say that okay. you're in a safe loving supportive environment when you work here brent That's all i want as always, thank you so no, much. No, thank you. Great, and I great come to see especially you. because I was talking to you. So, and your advocacy work over the years, even with your own family and your own. Daughter, uh, uh, okay, stop! You're killing me. The proceeds <laughs> from Brent's elephant in the room project will go to the Samaritans this year. Yeah. And I'll say to people, if they've been affected by anything we've just been talking Absolutely. about, Please. they can reach the Samaritans at Samaritans.ie by phone on one one six one two three. More helplines information available at www.rt.ie forward slash helpline. Brent Pope, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Email brendan at rte.ie.